you read old newspapers, it quickly becomes apparent that the name New England was more than just a moniker for a group of northeastern states. The we that is written about in New England newspapers were people of English Protestant ancestry. Everyone else was the other. In the 1800s, people of non-English Protestant backgrounds were often referred to in newspapers by their ethnic group, not their name. Papers reported an Italian laborer discovered a body floating down the river or an Irish railroad worker helped put a house fire out, or a Negro servant killed a rattlesnake while a group of people walked up Mount Wantasticate. These Protestants of English ancestry called themselves Anglo-Saxons and believed they were the dominant race in the world. They believed their culture, their history, and their technological superiority naturally made them the ruling class. Anyone who was not Anglo-Saxon was thought to be inferior. Here's a quote from a typical 1856 Vermont Phoenix article. The author was attempting to explain the relationship the Anglo-Saxons have with the Irish. The Irish, as a nation, are about the worst adapted of any we know for amalgamation with our people. As the Irish are a race proverbially eccentric and hard to kill, we Anglo-Saxons have been compelled to humor them like spoiled children, awaiting the effect of time and patience on natures which we know to be kindly-hearted, though capricious and willful. To every other race with which our progressive destiny brings us association, we have usually succeeded in imparting some of our practical and go-ahead spirit. They have either had to accept this condition of fusion with us or, like the Indians, to die out from their inability to compete with Anglo-Saxon energy. Today there is a great deal of talk about the history of racism in the United States. In the 1850s, racism by the ruling class was directed towards anyone who did not have an English Protestant background. The potato famine, which began in 1845, was devastating to the Irish. Here's a quote from the Brattleboro Eagle. Ireland is suffering from destitution, misery, and starvation. And yet, while men, women, and children are dying, literally dying of starvation, the priests are busy in different parts of the country making collections of money for the Pope. The inference being that the Irish had the means to save themselves, but chose not to. The 1840s famine caused many Irish to immigrate to the United States. It was during this time that the eastern United States was digging canals and beginning railroads to improve trade opportunities. An Irish historian of the 1930s wrote that he believed every canal and railroad built in the United States during the 1840s and 1850s was constructed using Irish labor. The Irish were recruited from the famine ships arriving in Boston Harbor and placed in horrendous living conditions on the rail lines. They were exploited with poor pay and unsafe working conditions. According to an 1849 reporter for a Boston newspaper, there had never been such misery, such squalor, such wretchedness as in the railroad shanties of Irish workers. Immigrants from Ireland joined railroad gangs. Some left their families in Boston and sent money back when they could. Railroads also invited Irish families to travel together. Often tents were supplied, and the traveling settlements were like transient company towns. The workers would purchase food, supplies, and shelter from the railroad company and quickly find themselves in debt.
The first railroad line arrived in Brattleboro in 1849. It came northwest from Fitchburg, Massachusetts. Over the next few years, the train line continued, traveling north to Bellows Falls. A large group of Irish laborers built the Massachusetts and Vermont Railway. In the 1850 census, the family of John and Mary Canaby are identified. John is 38 years old and labeled a laborer born in Ireland. Mary is 35 and was also born in Ireland. They have six children. Their oldest, James, is 11 and was born in America. John Jr., Mary, and Marcus are 9, 6, and 5 and were born in Massachusetts. William is 3 and was born in New Hampshire, and Michael is 1 year old and born in Vermont. This Irish family had been traveling in railroad shanties throughout Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Vermont. As John Sr. continued to work for the rail company, his family grew. By the time of the 1860 census, the Canobies and about 200 other Irish railroad workers had left the Brattleboro area and followed the train line as it headed further north along the Connecticut River. In 1850, the Irish population of Brattleboro was over 500 people. The vast majority of them were railroad workers and their families. In 1860, the Irish population was about 370 and the majority of them were farm or day laborers, domestics, and servants. In March 1848, the construction of the Vermont and Massachusetts Railroad was just south of Brattleboro. The rail line was making its way north from Massachusetts and there was labor unrest in the work camps. About 300 Irish laborers working on the Vermont and Massachusetts Railroad went on strike for higher wages and safer working conditions. The Vermont Phoenix reported that the Irish armed themselves with pick handles and began their march over the rail line with the intention of clearing it of all those who were willing to work for lower wages. In their progress, they threw carts over embankments, broke tools, and cut up horse harnesses. They threatened to destroy all of the contractor's property and would not return to work until they received a five cent raise from 70 cents to 75 cents a day. This was part of a coordinated strike against railroad contractors in New Hampshire, central Vermont, northern Massachusetts, and along the Connecticut River. Working conditions were very dangerous. The pay was minimal, and the living conditions could be life-threatening. During the hot summer months, there were newspaper reports of Irish laborers dying from the heat. Meanwhile, in the winter months, families suffered in tents and unheated shanties. The rail strike began in early March 1848, but it was not successful. Irish threatened one another. Some wanted to continue working at the going wage, while others wanted to hold out until wages were raised. Still others were concerned about the lack of safety. Multiple Irish deaths were reported in the local newspapers because of dangerous working conditions. Here's a quote from one publication. A young Irishman was killed by the sliding of the bank of one of the deep cuts on the Vermont and Massachusetts Railroad. He was covered with earth and buried under four feet of soil. Another was buried up to his neck, but friends were able to dig him out. Such slides have occurred frequently, and numbers of the laborers have been injured by them. Another quote refers to the work associated with the construction of the first Brattleboro train depot. Last evening, about 7 o'clock, an Irish laborer had his thigh bone broken and was otherwise considerably injured by a falling derrick which was being used to move rock on our depot grounds. They were raising a heavy rock when the derrick gave way and fell upon the unfortunate man. After three days, the March 1848 strike ended as the overseers were able to pressure the laborers back to work. 
Newspapers did not explain what types of pressure were applied to the workers. Irish rail workers remained in the area until the track between Bellows Falls and Brattleboro was completed in 1851. Wages and working conditions continued to be challenged by the Irish laborers. A newspaper article from April 1850 referred to another labor stoppage on the railroad. The Irish laborers have given up rioting for the present and gone quietly to work again. Here in Brattleboro, most Irish workers first settled along Vernon Street and the area became known as the Patch. The 1850 census showed almost all of the 500 or so Irish were living together in that community. By 1860, most of the rail workers were gone, but many of the Irish who remained had begun working for the Anglo-Saxons as farm laborers, domestics, servants, or day laborers. During that first decade of Irish settlement in Brattleboro, 1850 to 1860, the Irish population dropped by more than 100 people, but the Irish who remained had begun to assimilate into the dominant culture. Please join us next week for another story from our community's past.